The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a critic. <gasps> and uh, I had to watch a really bad movie this week. Yeah, and, and some good ones, too. Yeah, but that's for another podcast. Mm. On this podcast, we review television series that lasted only one season or less. But and it's the- worth noting that uh, some of these TV series that lasted only one season or less are a lot longer than others. One, you know, one season of TV can be like three seasons of another TV. Yeah, depending you on want, how long the show watch, is, like, how many episodes it lasts. Like a, a half-hour British sitcom where a season is only six episodes, you can get through season, three seasons of that real fast. Yeah, in a day. However, uh, American TV is a little different. They push it a lot further. Yeah, and also, uh, and also some British TV uh, as well. The show that we were going to review for this week, mm-hmm. uh, the winner of our latest Patreon poll, The Persuaders, starring Roger Moore just before his career took off, and Tony Curtis just after his career had, had started, started to contract started to a, little bit. a little bit. Um, Both were uh, well; they're merely the the means by which to wear awesome coats, awesome coats, awesome seventies suits. Yeah, uh, lots of lots of frilly collars, lots of sexy gloves, lots of banter. Uh, they started in a television series called The Persuaders, which we were going to review this week, and we're going to have to review next week because it is crazy long. <laughs> Not only is it twenty four uh, twenty four episodes, but the episodes are nearly an hour long each. So that mm. this we, it was hard to fit it all in and we didn't want to delay the episode any further so we're like oh crap what can we do that's shorter that won't like you know take up all the time we should be spending watching the persuaders uh and also give you a bit of a treat and i had recently discovered something that i thought sounded kind of neat yeah and uh, it turns out it's actually kind of a, a, a fitting uh, Valentine's Day tie-in. It's a little late, but it premiered on Valentine's Day, 1973, on NBC. It is a failed pilot for a television series starring Sammy Davis Jr. as a demon who works for Lucifer, played by Christopher Lee, who has to get Jack Klugman to sell him his soul and get revenge on Adam West. This is a little show called Poor Devil.
We don't actually have a clip, it's so that was actually like the theme oh, song funky. they played at the end, right? That's not funky, great. Funky. That, you want to see that show. You, I, I, I miss the art of the theme song. You know, now they, mm. they commission bands to do theme songs, and it's just on their record. Mm. Um, there, there are exceptions to uh, that. There for, are some good theme songs Well, out there. the problem is, you know, we were talking about the Persuaders. You know, those, those one-hour shows are, I think, when you remove commercials from 1971 television, mm. when the Persuaders aired... It's like 52, 53 minutes. Yeah, commercials were shorter and yeah. there were fewer breaks back then. Yeah. Um, now, like when we watched Law & Order Los Angeles, which is just a couple of years old, a one-hour show is like maybe 42 to 44 minutes. At most, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like really, you can just steam through those things. Yeah. We can't steam through 24 episodes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, also back in the day, there were they took time to do a theme song every week. Mm. I feel they don't do that anymore. There's like one shot of the title card, maybe, but they don't want to take. Well, there's so little time that they're dealing with now that they can't even afford to do a theme song. Well, a lot of them do do a theme song, but they have like a really short one, mm. or they have a shorter version of it for when the episode runs long. Mm. You might remember Imaginary Mary it didn't have a theme song, but it had like you know, a 30, 45 second intro explaining the concept. But mm. on longer episodes, they just sort of showed Jenna Elfman and her imaginary friend standing shoulder to shoulder, going mm-hmm uh-huh. like that's all you needed that week what a great show oh yeah i'm so glad i brought that one up um <laughs> but uh, uh you know poor devil is this one of these strange tv movies that were basically we made a long pilot episode for a series we decided not to go to series but by god we spent the money and we got a pretty neat cast or, mm. and so we need to put out <clears throat> steel justice <laughs> we need to we need to do something with it, it and it, it, some poor pi- devil is another one of those. Yeah, some pilots are too expensive to let it uh, go by, and the star power in this is amazing. You oh mentioned you, you mentioned it. It was uh, Christopher Lee is the devil, uh, a get for TV. He'd, uh, he'd do any movie, this but was a get a, for TV. This was a good uh, time for Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee has, had been making, had been starring in movies pretty consistently. For at least since, 30 years. Oh, so, but since like the late 40s, yeah. early 50s, and then through, through the end of his life until very recently when he passed away. At age 92, I believe. And, and, and he had only just put out a new heavy metal album. Like, that's how cool he was. <laughs> he was an assassin for Britain in World War II. He was an incredibly interesting he, he human being. He didn't play an assassin for Britain in World War II. No, no, he was. He was an assassin for England. There's a story that Peter Jackson tells, because Christopher Lee co-starred in the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, in which uh, there's a scene in one of the extended editions where we actually see Christopher Lee's character die. He gets stabbed in the back. Mm. And Peter Jackson was telling Christopher Lee, okay, so when he stabs you in the back, you're going to go, ah! Mm. And Christopher Lee was like, Peter. How many times have I been stabbed? No, no. I've stabbed people in the back. (laughs) I know the noise they make. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's like, Jesus, okay. Whatever you say, Chris. (laughs) Holy shit. But this was a really, really good time in uh, Christopher Lee's career. He was a very, very big name. Uh, He was still starring semi-regularly in the Hammer Dracula movies, which were Mm. kind of what built his his reputation. But one Um, of them is called Dracula AD 1972. Which came out like a year before this. Uh, The year that this came out, he co-starred in this incredible all-star production of The Three Musketeers, which also had oh, Oliver... Oh, the Richard Lester film. Yeah, with yeah. Oliver Reed and... Um, um, 
uh, Michael Ma- York is Michael in York. It, yeah. I always want to call him Michael Moriarty because I think of Moriarty oh. as a British <laughs> name. But yeah, Michael York, mm. uh, uh, Charlton Heston, <laughs> which is so weird play, casting. Doesn't he play Cardinal Richelieu? Yeah, it's insane. so weird. Uh, uh, Ka- uh, Faye Dunaway's in it. It's an amazing movie, and I love that. I love that movie. The sequel is okay, but the first one's amazing. Um, and he was also that same year he starred in The Wicker Man, which is arguably oh, nice. yeah, his yeah. best movie. Uh, it was and, certainly his favorite movie he had ever done. Mm-hmm. Like he had said that on, on the record many, many times. So like this was a pretty good time to get Christopher Lee in anything. Mm. Sammy Davis well, Jr. He, was, he was also yeah. one of those British actors who Sorry. would say yes to anything. Hmm. So uh, yeah, if you had his schedule he, he, free, he would do your movie. He, he, he was a get. He was you know famous at this time. But he again, he's opening stuff like The Wicker Man, which is still opening in like art houses. The next uh, year, he was the bad guy in James Bond movie. He was in the, yeah, uh, the that, man with the golden gun. So the point is, it was a good apart, early seventies. Apart peak from Christopher yeah, Lee. apart from the Lord of the Rings, that might be his highest profile role. Uh, oh, and Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars. He played Count Dooku in the prequels. Oh, right. But in the seventies, I, I don't. Was a good I didn't. I, yeah. Didn't Sammy Davis that. Jr. was not necessarily at his peak in the seventies. He was, however. Sammy Davis fucking <laughs> Jr., one of the greatest entertainers mm-hmm. to ever live. Certainly one of the most entertaining singers. Just and, great presence, great voice. Boy, howdy, he does not sleepwalk through this at all. He, he is not phoning it in. He's really giving like yeah, his got, all to this to this little pilot. And you got Jack Klugman, who is just... He, if you don't know Jack Klugman, look him up. His, okay. his filmography is too long to mention. Uh, but here's the deal. You probably, you probably you know, know him as Quincy. You probably know him as Quincy Emmy. Yeah. Uh, he was in 12 Angry Men. He mm. was also Oscar in the long-running TV version of The Odd Couple. He right. took over Walter Matthau's role. Um, what I think is kind of interesting is that... So that's like the... There are other cast members, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But that's that's the big three. Okay? Mm. So we got Christopher Lee as Lucifer. We got the immortal Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, as a is devil it? who is trying to get Jack Klugman to sell his soul. Mm. Both Sammy Davis Jr. and Jack Klugman were Jewish. <laughs> that's kind of funny. I don't know why. I just think that's that's amusing that they're really and both of them, actually all three of them, they're giving real performances in this yeah, thing. Yeah. No one's just doing this shitty TV thing. They're all like, this could go somewhere. Let's actually let's actually try well, this out. Come, come now, these are professionals. True. And, and Sammy Davis Jr. is such a great entertainer that you know all, all gigs are equal to him. He's just going yeah. to to do what he does. Um, um, Jack Klugman is too much. Like he's done this too much to well, ever. He doesn't even know how to phone it in. I'm anymore. sorry. Jack Klugman is just a funny actor. He's a funny actor. <laughs> he's and a, he he's gets, really intense too, though. He can be true. Really but like, one is that he's always in it mm-hmm. and he's always selling it. And you put Jack Klugman in a comedy scene. With Sammy Davis Jr. And the whole gag is Sammy Davis Jr. is a demon from hell and Jack Klugman doesn't believe it. That's going to be a funny scene. And sure enough, it's a really funny scene. It's a weird show, but I think there's a lot of fun stuff in it. Um, Let's run down a few more details. Again, it premiered on Valentine's Day in 1973 on NBC. It premiered right after Adam 12. And opposite... A TV movie called The Girls of Huntington House, which was a TV movie about teen pregnancy. That is weird Valentine's wow. Day programming. You've got <laughs> Selling Your Soul to the Devil and Teen Pregnancy. And also, may I add, Poor Devil is a Christmas episode. That, yeah. That's that, weird. You would think this would be around Christmas, but nope. Yeah, and and a, in fact, Christopher Lee gets a really great speech. Like everybody's oh, being kind. And Congress is taking time off. Everybody loves each other. I loathe this time of year. <laughs> it's a great speech. Yeah, it's a really great speech. Um, so it opens with 
hell. And hell is like a really it's it's like the lobby of men in black, but it's all red. Like it's all like art deco. And they keyed in a lot of like fire outside the window. They, yeah, they cl- clearly couldn't do real of... fire. That would have been too dangerous an effect. But right. They, they rear they, screen projection outside uh, all the yeah, windows with fire and uh, and, like a um, close-up of fire. And, and you hear over Everybody's the inter- wearing red and those gigantic 70s collars and these really mm-hmm. tacky polyester suits. And necklaces with big baubles on the front yeah, for a, no a, good reason. A, a lot of pentagrams. It's it's so 70s, the 70s mm. are trying to return it. Well, also, it's hell, and it's really hot, so of course you'd have to wear non-cotton <laughs> polyester suits. So glad you thought this out. <laughs> uh, so, but here's the deal. It's basically hell's waiting room. Mm. And we're introduced to hell's receptionist, whose name is Ch- Chelsea, uh, who is played by Emily Yancey from Blackula and the Sword and the Sorcerer. And she and she flirts with Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, she's a like lot. she's like his girlfriend, but Sammy Davis Jr. is actually like he's on the outs. He has spent the last seven hundred years shoveling coal for screwing up too many times. Oh, oh it was four hundred years. Was it four hundred years? Oh no, I guess he said I I haven't been in into Lucifer's office for four hundred years. Oh yeah, that whole Plymouth thing. And his 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 joke was, yeah, I didn't know they weren't supposed to land on Plymouth Rock. So America is Sammy Davis Jr.'s fault. Let's consider that <laughs> sentence for a second. <laughs> That's an interesting sentence. So, what's happening is, currently on Earth, Jack Klugman, who we really haven't been introduced to yet, we just see him, and he looks like he's trying to break into, it looks like a bank, but it's actually a department store. Mm. And it's this funny bit where he's got a grappling hook, never mind where he got it. He's not a professional thief. He's got a grappling hook. And he doesn't know how it works, really. So he throws it up to, like, the top floor or whatever mm. and then it falls backward and lands on the windshield of his car which is pretty funny mm. and then like he throws it up and it connects but then the rope falls off the grappling hook so there's just a grappling hook stuck there with no <laughs> with no rope and we see further like he, he brought dynamite to open a safe but he forgot matches mm. this is back in the day so he's really really incompetent but chelsea and sammy davis jr he's played a character named sammy mm. uh He's playing himself? I don't... He's playing him. Why not? Okay. Well, you know, if if a demon were to appear to you, mm-hmm. he'd be a lot more convincing if he looked like Sammy Davis Jr., right? Oh, I would, I would follow Sammy Davis Jr. anywhere. Sammy yeah, Davis Jr. Like, home to sell my soul? Hey, Done. Hey, you want to sell your soul? Well, you're Sammy Davis Jr., so there can't be a downside to this. Yeah, you're the candy man. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, uh, the song, The Candy Man. I wonder mm-hmm. if people remember how closely associated Sammy Davis Jr. was with the that, song that, Candy that was Man. That was one of his big hits. Like, if, yeah. if it was, say, like, if it looked like Christopher Lee, I'd be suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Or or uh, or if they like tried, uh, or John Glover, I'd be suspicious. John Glover or um, uh, Elizabeth Hurley in the remake of Bedazzled, like yeah, some you'd be like, hot why are you babe. It's like to me, I don't trust. you. Why are you trying to make yourself look like really attractive to me right now? Yeah, uh, I know oh, Sammy I, Davis Jr. I'm, well, now I'm convinced. Now it's like oh, Sammy Davis Jr. wants to be nice to me. Shit, <laughs> um, but uh, Chelsea and Sammy are looking at this guy and they realize that he is not a professional thief, but he's doing it anyway, which means he is at the end of his rope. And he's he is, desperate, and he's, which means he's fought, that's fodder for willing to sell his soul. Uh, and for, Sammy, for something. For something. And Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, realizes this is his big break. He can get this guy to sell his soul because Sammy Davis Jr. is also a loser. Mm. And he knows that <laughs> In he hell. can connect with this guy. Yeah, and, the, funny, and the, the gag is, like the basic gag of his character is he works for hell and he's a really nice guy. That's well, the gag. Well, Sammy that's, Davis Jr. for going to say, but, yeah, like, um, but that's the point is he's really selling just how nice and pleasant and how much he cares about you, and yet well, he works for hell, and I'm yet not, he's fine with that. I'm not. But here's the thing: I'm not sure how much he cares. He he just seems really put upon and really desperate to do his job right. 
And that sort of tenacity and that willingness to please his boss, even though his boss is Satan, <laughs> is, is re- something that's really relatable. So mm-hmm. I think he doesn't really give a damn about Jack Klugman. No, I think he does. I think he sympathizes with mm-hmm. him because, again, well, ev- he's also eventually put upon at work. He, he turns to sympathize him, which just makes him a really bad devil. <laughs> One of the first things someone says to him, there's a character who's basically uh, Lucifer's... I guess secretary. Mm. Uh, Somebody who's closer closer to Lucifer. His name is Bly, and I'm not sure if he's supposed to be playing Captain Bly or not. But I like to think he is. Well, it's B L I G H. Oh, it's a different and, and B- Captain Bly is B L Y, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's that's worth looking up actually. Mm. But um, <laughs> anyway, he's played by uh, character actor Gino Conforti, who was on That Girl, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Um, he actually tells Sammy. Mm. That, uh, you know, you're really, really bad at your job. In fact, I've often suspected you belong in heaven. And they're just like, oh, ouch. How dare you? (laughs) Um, So uh, Sammy Davis Jr. tricks his way into getting into Lucifer's office. I was wrong. William Bly is B-L-I-G-H. Captain okay, William so Mike, I like to think it's William Bly, All right. but uh, there you go, because I never say his first name. Mm. So uh, Lucifer's secretary is Captain Bly. That's funny. <laughs> uh, Lucifer decides to take a look at this Klugman case and realizes, okay, look, if there's anyone Sammy could possibly get to sell his soul... Mm. This is the guy. Well, I, and I love how, like, low rent it is. Like, this guy's not thinking about, like, murdering or doing something, like, committing some sort of grievous sin. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, theft is one of the Ten Commandments, but, I mean, Jack Klugman's just sort of a a, a guy who's about to retire. It seems like there's not a lot at stake for this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, he's going to commit a robbery, and maybe get away with it. Well, we find out... But, you know, we, we understand, like, the the moral dimension of this, but it's, like, such small potatoes. Well, they don't care. That's the thing. It, it makes... It, it's easier for them if, like, some guy with kind of low standards for selling his soul sells his soul. Like, oh, I'm going to sell my soul and I want to rule a country. Well, shit, that's a lot of work. Yeah. There's, a, there's a show I want to review on this. I think it only lasted one season called Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, mm. um, which uh, also starred H. John Benjamin, who would go on to great acclaim with Archer. And uh, there's a bit where the devil, uh, a guy, a, co- a comedian sells a soul to the devil okay. for success at comedy. And the gag is, it's, he doesn't just wave his hand and people think he's funny. The devil actually has to write his material. And the devil's like, shit, I've never written a joke before. <laughs> like they have to do the work. Yeah, like the devil actually has to do this work. And that's the gag in this as well is, if Jack Klugman sells a soul, they still have to like put in some effort to yeah, get they, him everything they, they he can't, wants. You they can't mag- magically make him su- successful. Yeah. Sam Davis Jr. can like go invisible and like teleport around, but like that's it. Like everything mm. else he actually just has to do. And that's kind of funny. And, and indeed, uh, one of in exchange for uh, he, so he goes to Jack Klugman. He yeah. eventually convinces Jack Klugman to sell his soul after a, a long series of back and forth. We're going to walk you through the whole process. But, but uh, his, he, what he wants is actually really difficult. Yeah. Well, well what he wants is uh, he wants like success and money and a retirement and you know all of the things that he thought was coming to him because he was passed over recently for a retirement. Yeah. He had been he has been a junior accountant at a department store mm-hmm. for about twenty five years now, and they missed his anniversary. He was supposed to get a watch and like a plaque and a promotion mm-hmm. and he didn't get it and he's disgruntled and so he was going to rob the joint but then he couldn't do it just as revenge yeah couldn't do it couldn't bring so, himself to uh, do yeah, it so what he wants is to rob the joint mm-hmm. but uh and when sammy davis jr uh like sells his soul is like okay now this guy gets what he wants and the devil says no sammy davis jr you have to do that you are now his slave yeah you don't just sell him the soul it's actually like the idea is everyone who sells their soul mm-hmm. in this universe Essentially has a seven-year contract uh-huh. where for seven years on earth Hell will give you basically everything you want. 
Mm-hmm. You will get everything you want. You'll have to work for it. it. It's all there for you. And at the end of seven years, you die and you go to hell. And what's interesting is but that, it, but it, it's done in the form of getting like a personal assistant. Yeah, like a, a shopper. Somebody has to do all that stuff and, for you. And therein lies basically what Poor Devil probably would have been if it had gone to series was bewitched. If the genie was a, was a devil, you mean I dream of genie. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, I dream of Genie. They're, they're the same show, really. They're kind of the same show. There's the magical person in the household. Uh, mm. I think Bewitched was a little you know, less problematic, perhaps. but uh, Well, because they were married. Yeah, exactly. They were they were on an even keel. But yeah, it's, it's I Dream of Genie if the Genie was the devil. Mm. Um, which is funny. Uh, well, <laughs> There's actually a lot of games If there. the Genie were a devil and also hated granting wishes... Uh, Jeannie was always really kind of eager to grant wishes. She was there to please him. I think Uh, Sammy is happy to grant wishes, but he hates that it's difficult. uh, Yeah, yeah. He he he, like he'll well he has to grant wishes. I'm not sure if he's happy about it. He Mm. just is like, oh, I I wish for a gold crown. Okay, well, where do I get a gold crown? God, oh well. <laughs> let me see if I see if I have any connections in the heist world. I don't know. Um, yeah, exactly. So, and the thing do is, do you mind is if that, I smelt it? I can get some gold. And the thing is, is that it's actually a pretty sweet contract. Mm. Um, if if you sell your soul to the to the devil for two reasons, one, if hell doesn't give you what you want, the contract is null and void. Mm. Like if you ask for something they can't give you, or if they fuck it up, ah. the contract is null and void, and you get to go to heaven. Sweet deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is um, when Sammy Davis Jr. is selling Jack Klugman on this, and it takes a while. Mm-hmm. And I actually like that it takes a while. Kind of dogs him for a little bit. Yeah, he has to like you know follow him around all day. Like he he appears to Jack Klugman when Jack Klugman's asleep next to his wife. Oh He's like, God. "Hey, do you want to just talk about selling your soul?" And oh Jack God, Klugman it's says, "So fucking funny." Oh God. Okay. I don't want to wake up my wife. Meet me, meet me down in no, the no, living room. You're, you're missing it. This whole bit is so fucking funny. Jack Klugman finally says, it turns out you can't actually mm. offer to buy someone's soul unless they offer it first. So he has to say it. I so, would sell my soul for recognition or for revenge. Mm. And Sammy Davis Jr., then he Jack Klugman rolls over in bed next to his wife. He rolls over away from his wife. And Sammy Davis Jr. is in bed next to him, right up in his face, mm. smiling like a maniac. <laughs> and Jack Klugman, without missing a beat, says... I think you're in the wrong bed. <laughs> uh, look, I roll over and Sammy's in the bed next to me. I'm going to say, wow, that was a good party. Sammy Davis Jr. says, no, I'm from down below. And Chuck Lickman says, you're from the Feldman's apartment? <laughs> <laughs> Then they go into the living room so as not to wake up his wife, and they have this big. It takes a while for Sammy Davis Jr. to convince him he's actually from hell. Yeah, like tel- he teleports around the room. He's like, a no, you times. called me here, right? Every time I want my apartment robbed, I, mean, I send away. He and uh, he, he teleports with a little sound effect, and I was reminded of uh, the Mexican film Santa Claus. Oh yeah, with old Scratch, and there'd, yeah. there'd be this like little uh, this little piano chord whenever he'd appear, just plunk. Sammy Davis Jr. has his own plunk, although I expected it to be like a rim shot almost. Right. So, so Sammy Davis Jr. offers him hell, and one of the things he talks about, and this is the other thing that I think is actually makes selling your soul to the devil sound like a pretty sweet deal in the context of this show, mm. uh, is when he describes hell, it sounds kind of nice. He says there's no prejudice, there's no war, <laughs> well, like everything you is know, pretty... You know what he's saying there, that death and torture and pain and humiliation erases all of that. But here, we don't see anyone get tortured down there it's just a bureaucracy mm-hmm. it's just i mean there are people on the intercom saying new arrivals make sure you have your green and mm-hmm. orange forms filled out mm-hmm. in triplicate like it doesn't really it's, sound it's, that bad like the and, worst and thing is that sammy has to shuffle coal which sucks but like 
for for 800 years for 800, which in, sucks, in a polyester like, suit compare that to hellraiser it doesn't seem that bad how compared to bill and ted's bogus journey it doesn't seem that bad like, it's just actually, being badgered by a, an easter bunny for all eternity yeah, that sounds way worse than having to deal with the with the bureaucracy and you get, to, and you get time he says, off to hang out with your girlfriend like the, it's not bad the idea was you know there's no prejudice because well doesn't matter where you're from everybody goes to hell eventually yeah there you go uh, it, it, it's actually a really cynical show and that's what i like about it all of the the darkness that's lurking underneath because it's hell <laughs> jack klugman's boss is mm. adam west mm. now, we've run into adam west a lot on this program <laughs> Poor, he started in look well oh, he started God. in danger theater he started in the last resort mm. uh, not the last resort uh, the last, last precinct. precinct and uh here he plays this is a yeah, f- fourth canceled show with uh, adam west in it this, here he plays the dickish boss who in the beginning we see that he is giving two days before christmas he's giving jack klugman this enormous accounting assignment mm. and that we find out that he did that so that he could go see jack klugman's wife mm. who is played by uh madeline rue who's probably best known for starring in one of the best star trek episodes ever Space Seed. <laughs> she was the she was the woman that the, Ricardo the, Montalban seduced the, and turned uh, over against the, the Enterprise. The uh, Enterprise ensign who joined Khan's side. Yeah, it's a mm. classic episode. Um, and like he he had given Jack Klugman all this extra work so he can make time with Jack Klugman's wife. Jack Klugman comes home, sees Adam West well, kiss his wife. Hang on, all right. this is what he sees. Mm. He sees her, he sees Adam West kiss his wife. He closes the door, says, "Screw it, I want revenge." Well, you're you're missing a very important element of this. Well, which he, is that he, Jack Klugman had just agreed to sell his soul right before that moment. Well, he and, agreed to and sell he his agreed soul to sell be- his soul right. specifically because Sammy Davis Jr. says, "Okay, I know I offered you a lot of stuff, and you keep saying no, but you know, think about your wife; she'd get some of this too." And he's like, "You know what? I guess selling my soul can be noble." In, in a weird way. I, yeah, getting I can, all this stuff for I myself is for kind of wife. noble. I can provide for my wife. So he says, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it for my wife. He's like, great! And he opens the door, and she's making out with Adam West. <laughs> Perfect devil scenario. It's like, well, you did it all for your wife, and she's cheating on you. <laughs> but he hadn't sold his soul yet. Irony! So and then he immediately goes off, and, and like he lays down, and this is all set in San Francisco, and mm. he lays down in like the, the trolley tracks, mm. waiting for the trolley to but come he, along. He had sold himself. his soul, but he wanted to go kill himself. No, no, I don't think he had sold, had he sold it yet? He had sold it at that point. Okay, I miss, I so, yeah, my timing he, is off. He laid down on the tracks, and the devil appears to Sammy Davis Jr. says, if he kills himself, you don't get him yet. Uh, no, 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 it's not that. It's the mm. idea is that they had only had a handshake agreement, and that doesn't count. Right. So they actually have to when he was on the railroad tracks, what happens is Sammy Davis Sr. says, okay, fine, don't do it for your wife. Do it for revenge against Adam West. And now mm. he's like, yeah, now <laughs> I'll do it. And so they sign the contract. Boom. Mm. Okay, doing great. How are they going to get revenge on Adam West? Well, Adam West wanted him to do all of that uh, work because he is trying to give the department store its biggest Christmas Eve sale mm. ever. Their, their biggest sales day. So he's trying to look good for their boss. So he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Remember that heist? We're not going to steal the money. We're going to steal all the merchandise in the store, all four floors in the department store. And Sammy Davis Jr. is just like, that's really difficult. <laughs> and he doesn't know how to do that. And he goes to so hell. He has, so has to he, confer to the criminals in hell. Yeah, he asks all the criminals in hell to come in and do a workshop. So we've got a room. Mm. It's got Blackbeard. It's got Bonnie and Clyde. It's got Al Capone. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. I like that. Like, Sammy Davis I, Jr. doesn't know how to solve the problem of the week. He goes and asks someone in hell. That's a funny idea. Mm. I want to see that every week. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, who, I wrote down who else was in there. Um, oh, there, was, uh, there was the... Oh, there, 
I forgot their names. The the three uh, bank heisting brothers from the old west. Oh, the Cole Younger, the, the Cole, Younger gang, the Younger gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, Younger gang is there. So they all have. Uh, uh, Mm. They all have kind of. <laughs> they all just uh, have bad ideas because they're old timey criminals. Like, yeah, like it's I'll, like find yourself an island and stick all the stuff there. I, or um, the the younger say, "Well, we're we're brothers. That's our secret." Like, yeah, well, get I, people you trust. Yeah, it's like okay, and, and Al Capone says, you got, "You got to get a gat and drive in through the front with a with a van, the way I used to do." It's like that's not going to work. And, and then, then Bonnie Parker. <laughs> Bonnie Parker stands up and says, "While you were talking, I wrote a poem." <laughs> He starts reciting the poem. <laughs> and even Clyde, like, kind of is like, sit down, sit down, dear. <laughs> That's a really funny scene. But uh, 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 Sammy Davis Jr.'s uh, girlfriend suggests, okay, listen, all that advice is outdated. Maybe you could take the nugget of a good idea in there and turn it into a thing. And so Sammy Davis Jr. decides to get everyone else in San Francisco who has sold their soul to the devil. Mm. Turns out there's a lot of them, and one of them is oh, Jack yeah. Klugman's father-in-law. <laughs> and there's this moment where they just sort of look at each other and just like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. be nicer to you at parties. <laughs> <laughs> and they, all of them get enlisted to steal everything from the department store, and, and then they're and all hide gonna, it in Alcatraz. Yeah, an island. An Good island. idea, Blackbeard. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, uh, and and that's it. So it's this huge sequence where like like a hundred people are trying to steal everything in a department store. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. In, in all of this, while they're stealing all the jewelry, says, "Oh, you never got that retirement watch. Here, here's a watch." And you get mm-hmm. this like connection, like they're friends now, yeah, and it, yeah. it's it's actually kind of sweet. And then they steal everything. Adam West shows up, a little drunk, because he was at a party, mm-hmm. and he sees that everything is gone, and he freaks out, and he runs to the cops, and the cops don't believe that literally everything in a department store has been stolen. Mm-hmm. So. He's in trouble. And then Sammy Davis Jr. goes to Jack Klugman and says, Oh, my God, I can't believe we did it. That was really, really difficult. And then Jack Klugman's just like, we should put everything back. What? <laughs> that was that was mean. I, I got my moment. Like, like I, I, don't, I want revenge against Adam West. I don't want revenge against the clerks at the store. Mm. I don't want the store to shut down. It's Christmas. People aren't going to be able to buy gifts for their families. There's, there's way too many consequences of this. I, I didn't think it through. We need to put everything back. And Sammy Davis Jr. is like, God, well, Damn it! <laughs> well, see, and this is this is the moment where we reveal what the premise of the show is going to be, mm-hmm. uh, because Sammy Davis Jr. is a demon. He's in hell. He mm-hmm. is he is not redeemed and irredeemable, and uh, he serves the Lord of Chaos, mm-hmm. and he is going to do his darndest to make sure people behave badly, and he's going to choose his marks. I'm guessing it was going to be a different mark every week. And he's going to choose his marks uh, so badly mm-hmm. that they are going to force him to do virtuous things, and it's going to make him really uncomfortable. And hence, comedy. See, I don't think I don't think the premise should be a different one every week. I think it mm. should be one person. There would be one, Jack Klugman the whole time. I I would make a Jack Klugman. Now the episode, uh, the pilot ends. Uh, they put everything back. Adam West has finally got the police there. Police see that the store is full of stuff, and so they arrest Adam West for reasons. Filing a false police report, I guess. Lying to the police. Um, And then uh, Jack Klebman goes to work the next day, and it turns out they didn't forget his anniversary. They were judging his anniversary from the day he was put on the payroll, not the day that he was called and told he had the job. Yeah, he was hired on the 17th, but he wasn't put on payroll until Christmas Eve. So now he's got a promotion. His wife comes in, says, uh, Adam West was an asshole. I brought him over to try to get you that promotion you didn't Mm. get, and I slapped him in the face. So everything's fine. He he thought I was coming on to him, but it turns out I was just going to talk about your career. And Jack Klebman... Lugman is actually like, well, this is actually pretty good. Okay, this is good. Okay, so I got the job I wanted. I had the, the respect I wanted. We're doing okay financially. And uh, then I, in seven I, years, me and my wife will be in hell, and it'll be great. And Sammy Davis was like, well, no, she's going to heaven. She didn't sell her soul. <laughs> it's like, 
well, that sucks. And then Sammy Davis Jr., in like a moment mm. of, I found a loophole and I'm just going to let you have it, uh, notes that... He, uh, he, he got that retirement watch. Yeah, he gave Jack Klugman that watch from the department store, and it and Jack Klugman said we had to put everything back, but they didn't put the watch back, which <laughs> means Hell didn't give him what he wanted, and the contract is null and void. Mm. So Jack Klugman... Is off the hook. Is off the hook, and Christopher Lee is fucking furious... And uh, he basically puts Sammy Davis Jr. back in the coal burning mm. uh, room again, uh, and Cur- and Colonel Captain Bly is there telling him like <laughs> shovel faster. And he's just like, "What? I got seven hundred years. I can make it eight hundred. All right, all right, seven hundred years." <laughs> and that's the end. And it cuts to that really funky, awesome song that we just heard. But I think the I think what I would do if I turned this into a show was he keeps trying to get Jack Klugman. I don't think you can get Jack Klugman because you got to remember this was on in nineteen seventy three. Yeah. And The Odd Couple was still on the air. So he was, he was busy. He was never you were never going to get Jack Klugman every week. But I mm. think the basic premise of this is you got someone under a 7-year contract. It's like Star Trek, your 5-year okay. mission or whatever. Was it 5-year mission? 5-year mission. Well, in the original. The, the original was supposed to be a yeah. 5-year mission. That was the idea. It's going to be 5 years, well, boom, here we go. Most of the shows lasted 7 years, but yeah. I digress. But uh, uh so you got a 7-year contract. That's the duration of the show. Mm. That's the that's the idea for the duration of the show anyway. He's got someone under contract. That person isn't really that bad. They're tempted yeah, yeah. to be bad, and they keep asking Sammy Davis Jr. to do naughty things, but then something always turns it around, mm. and it ends up being not that well, wicked. Well, y- you, can't, you can't have a show about, like, a guy who says, hey, I want you to kill those three people, it's and, then, too, you, and yeah. then you watch Sammy Davis Jr., like, strangling people in an alleyway. That's not a... Okay, I'm going to throw it out there. I would show. like to see that show. <laughs> that's an amazing show. It's a, but it's a different kind of show. <laughs> Very different kind of show. I would love to see a serial killer movie yeah. with Sammy Davis like a, Jr. A serial killer says, oh, I, I would sell my soul to be able to murder a hundred people. Well, we can do that, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sammy Davis Jr., who's just, like... I, I like the idea that it's about a devil who is really bad at his job. Yeah. Who, he's who enthusiastic, wa- he's but enthu- he's bad. He's, he's enthusiastic. He's a, too much of a softy, and he, uh, but he still desperately wants to do chaos. I like Christopher Lee when he talks about why he's giving uh, Sammy another chance. Mm. It's like, you, Bly is just like, you've given him so many chances, and he's bungled it every time. Christopher Lee says, look, I like his attitude. He tries. <laughs> I, I was that way once. Back in the Garden of Eden, I tried everything. Grapefruits, nectar. It took me forever to figure out the apple <laughs> so like he admires cute, sammy's cute, work yeah. ethic he just isn't good at it mm. like so like that's why he's getting all of these chances so, it's so he's dynamic he's a hard-working uh incompetent demon oh. but yeah I, I like the idea of a, of a case of the week though where he'd choose a mark and the mark you know wants to sell the, their soul for something else but we get to see by the end that they're either let off the hook or like they just don't get them for whatever reason, largely because Sammy Davis Jr. either can't seal the deal or they convince him to do something virtuous. Mm-hmm. So he, he's he's essentially failing in the face, failing to virtue. Right. And I think that's a really interesting uh, premise for a TV show. It's a fun idea for a TV it, show. It, it, and inv- the and it inverts con- a lot of what we see in just sort of common TV dramas. Sure. Where people start out working really hard and they do something to redeem themselves. Mm-hmm. This isn't about the redemption of the devil. This is actually about a devil who's trying really hard to irredeem people, who's trying to harm people. You know what it is? It's- and he, he is so bad at harming people that he is actually the one who's being pulled up. It's, and it's it, actually really optimistic at the end of the day. And a little 
without that like extreme optimism at the end, it's a little bit like Invader Zim, where the whole idea of Invader Zim is he's trying to <laughs> conquer the Earth, but he sucks at it. He's so bad at it. So that we he's kind just of constantly so, failing. So we're not threatened by him. So he's funny. And uh-huh. It's a source of amusement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think the other thing is <laughs> like oh, worse, like or better. better. <laughs> you I put the fires out. You made them worse. <laughs> Um, I love Invader Zim so much. <laughs> Invader Zim is one of those shows I wish I had as a child. Like know, it came along I, really late in my life. It came along when I was in like college. Yeah. It was still great. I was still discovered it, and everyone was watching, it and it was great. But like, yeah, if I'd had that when I was a kid, well, when was that? Like two thousand, two thousand one. That yeah, show came there, out. Yeah. Turn of the century. Yeah. I was out of college. I graduated by then. I was my childhood was at an end, and, yeah. they, and they saw Invader Zim a couple of years later. It's like oh, still good. Still we're, good. We're, Avatar: we're, The Last Airbender came out when I was out of college, and it's still one of the best shows ever. Like it's <laughs> fucking great. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's the thing, and I think the seven year contract where he has to do his bidding. Mm. So, uh, so that, that, or he'll lose the contract. And so that, that was him to stay. That was the pilot. So episode one would be like a new mark, and that would be the star of the show. And I think yeah, I think you get yeah. the new mark. Hell, you know what? You know, be kind of funny is if the new mark is Adam West. Oh, there you go. Like, that's the gag. Because Adam West isn't busy. (laughs) (laughs) This was a bad time for Adam West. You know what? After after Batman was a bad time for Adam West. For a long time. Like, people discovered how funny he was, like, in the 90s. Mm. He's funny in this. There's this great bit where he's at the... um, He's at the police station, and they're just like, are you drunk? He's like, of course I'm drunk. I was at a cocktail party. <laughs> but that's not the point. <laughs> he, he's actually quite a fine actor. He's a, a fantastic comedian, Adam yeah. West. But he, he's one of those poor actors who was cursed by his own fame. Yeah. You look at Shatner as well. These people who are so strongly associated with one really famous role that they can't get work elsewhere because they're too recognizable. I just think it's like, interesting. He, we had to wait for like George Takei and Leonard Nimoy and, and William Shatner to be in their 70s before they started getting you know good work elsewhere. Outside of Star Trek related stuff, when you do when you when you review a show like this where everyone in it's super famous, mm-hmm. but this was the only person who was like at the height of their fame at that time was Jack Klugman. <laughs> like Samuel Jr. was always famous, but like the height of it was in like the sixties. Like that was when everyone mm-hmm. was like, "Oh shit, Samuel Davis Jr. is in something. We got to make sure that's a thing." As opposed to, we're not going to pick up this pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher Lee was kind of a big deal at the time, but I think the thing about what they were doing. Like at the time, Adam West was on was in like um what was it? I wrote it down here. He was he was like an, he was in an episode of Night Gallery. He was in a horror yeah. movie called Curse of the Moon Child, which no one remembers. It's, oh, he, uh, he's been in a lot of bad horror movies. That's my point. Is like it was just a bad time for Adam West. He was not a get. Mm-hmm. He was recognizable. So mm-hmm. it was like oh I know him. He was mm-hmm. Batman. I remember Batman. It was, it was a good show. Yeah. And indeed, uh, the show was written by. Uh, where did I write that down? Huh. Uh, Richard Bayer co-wrote the story. He worked on Bewitched and That Girl and the Monsters. Uh, but the script was written by Earl Barrett and Arne Sultan, uh, who worked on Batman. Uh, mm. They worked on Holmes and Yo-Yo, which we're still trying to track down. <laughs> uh, they wrote an episode of My Mother the Car. Oh, they, what, what, do you know which one? Uh, my, uh, my Auntie Freeze. What makes my Auntie Freeze? Oh, I, I don't know. I think it's the one where she got was. drunk. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm yeah. Off, off the top of my yeah. head, um, and they also uh, co-wrote the uh, Gene Wilder, um, Richard Pryor movie, "See No Evil, Hear No Evil," which I remember liking when it came I, I out. Liked, I literally haven't seen it since like 1991. Yeah, like, I, I, I saw it. I saw it in theaters as a kid. At the time, it seemed kind of funny. It's mm. I, something tells me it's probably aged badly. But well, uh, Richard Pryor clearly got to write some of his own jokes. Like mm. uh, his his wife is afraid he's going to make a scene. Ev- evidently, he plays this trick on her a lot, mm. and he he plays a blind man. And uh, just to sort of embarrass his wife, he stands up and is like, and shouts out her in the middle of a, a subway. What, you mean I'm not white? <laughs> and she's like, oh, God, he's doing it again. 
That, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good Richard Pryor joke. But yeah, I, I honestly like. Mm. I'm, I'm gonna. The other thing that I think kind of killed this show um, was just bad timing for Satanism. The idea uh, yeah. of doing a funny, um, well, lighthearted show about hell the year The Exorcist came out. No, this, it didn't until later. I was about to it was say still this, a hit book. If this came out in. Uh, 1973 is the same year as The Exorcist, but this came out in February, and Exorcist was a summer release. But The Exorcist was so, an extremely popular novel. Mm. It was around the time uh, the Rosemary's Baby had already come out. The they're, idea they're of the satanic trying, fixation yeah, they're, they're taking, in horror trying to take thing. the piss out of satanic panic. Yeah. And um, a lot of people were actually really genuinely afraid of that stuff. And there were actually Churches of Satan, which they reference in Poor Devil. There's a, a really yeah. fantastic bit where Jack Klugman... Is trying to get a hold of Sammy. Sold his soul, and, he's, and Sammy Davis Jr. says, oh, well, I'll, I'm going to start on your job first thing in the morning but he needs him that night it's like okay uh, sammy sammy where are you how do i call him and then he thinks to himself ah the church of satan downtown they'd know and he starts <laughs> looking in the phone book how do i call the church of satan <laughs> but yeah no this was not a good time uh mm. to sort of make light of that nowadays you can probably get away with it and be really really funny hell the mm. good place touches on a lot of that yeah stuff. yeah um but uh yeah at the time this was not a mm. moment of irony this people were really really worried about the moral degradation of america mm. and the rise of atheism and the rise mm. of the perceived rise of, of devil worshiping which mm. was 99 percent bullshit <laughs> but like there, i imagine there was some of it going down there's it, always it, a little <laughs> bit of like people going there's satan's kind of neat but like i don't think there's churches of satan out there yeah, but, yeah all the horror movies you've seen about it not really a thing. Mm. <laughs> like, they, people people thought that like Wiccans were like sacrificing people to the devil, and that's bullshit. Like it was a, <laughs> it's a whole bunch of bullshit going on. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, this was a cute, lighthearted, mm. actually genuinely trying, funny. Like there were dry patches, I, but I'm like to think it was of, like, funny. What's something that you can't really you couldn't make a sitcom about today, like in 2018? Well, I mean. Uh, there's, a, there's a, a lot. lighthearted comedy about an NRA lobbyist. Oh, there you go. Or, like there, there are certain topics where just that just aren't funny right now. Yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, you can't you don't joke about like the Me Too movement. There's yeah, no, there's, there's, no, there's, there's not a sitcom there, there's guys. Nothing funny about it. <laughs> but like at the time, nowadays we can look at the idea of like making mm. light of the concept of hell, mm. and it's cute. And clearly, a lot of people thought it was cute at the time. Well, they and, got and Sammy the, Davis Jr. to be. I mean, he's Sa- Jewish. But Sammy like, Davis, but you know, but they were smart enough to get like. A, a devilish actor known for playing demons and monsters, Christopher Lee, to That's play true. Satan himself. My so they were a little bit aware as to what was going on. That, there's I'm like guessing... an outsider idea. Isn't this idea of Catholic hell kind of cute? Yeah. There's a lot of people looking at it just like, ha, ha, ha. Well, and I, mean, I imagine a lot of Catholics probably watch it and just like, hey! We'd have, well, I mean, there were. I've seen a lot of like uh, educational films from like the fifties on like Mystery Science Theater about like angels helping you choose the right washing machine. You know, there was. Yeah. It was all kind of a riff on "It's a Wonderful Life," really, about how how you know these angels are although, kind of co- although, coming down to help interfere in like kind of mundane stuff. Although, although actually, if we're if we're being fair, it probably wasn't. It's a Wonderful Life. It's probably something more like the Bishop's Wife. It's a Wonderful Life was not a hit when it came out. Mm. It disappeared for many many years. I, I guess it, you're right. It wasn't until uh, the remake. The TV remake with uh, Marlo Thomas in the late seventies that newer generations even were aware of "It's a Wonderful Life" and then it got re-released. Mm. Um, so the seventies was not a time when people were being influenced by "It's a Wonderful Life." But uh, fair, but, but fair. what we had was the magical sitcom. Mm. We had "I Dream of Jeannie." We had "Bewitched." We had "My Mother in the Car." We had all of these shows about some sort of fantastical element in daily life. So here's mm. a guy who's put upon at work. 
and he's got his own great gazoo, and it's Sammy Davis Jr., and he's giving him all of his wishes. He just happens you know, to be it, the devil. It, it occurs to me that we wouldn't see Satan going forward. Like, we, would, we wouldn't spend nearly as much time in hell. It would be like Mork calling Orson. It would be like yeah. a thing yeah, once there, in a while. He, he, and he'd have a conversation with an off-screen figure. And I, mean, the case, I think he would occasionally go back down to hell to, like, ask famous sinners for advice he wouldn't go down to hell he'd make them appear in their apartment set or whatever else you know whatever that'd else be fine it's like you could do that i'm gonna summon al capone blink there he is and, smoke. And, yeah and you have yeah. guest star of the week or just character actor you could get out of central casting yeah, fun. Yeah. Uh, that's fine uh, I, i'm picturing a, like trying to see is there like a workable sitcom single set a really easy cheap way of doing a show like this which it, and i think there is it's mostly the apartment and it's mostly and the apartment the apartment at work, so I guess your idea of there being a single mark each time and Sammy just lives in this apartment yeah. would be would work a lot better. Yeah, and it's con- it's a constant push-me-pull-you for the guy's soul. Mm. That's it. It seems to me that would be something from the 80s, though. Like, they'd streamline it that way a little later on. I guess that's what Bewitched I feel like, was. Though. I just feel like this is a funny idea with a great cast that came along mm. at the wrong time. It's clearly not a good time for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it didn't work. And it's a shame. It's a funny TV movie. It's a shame. It's it's funny. It's definitely too soon. There's a lot of pathos. There's a lot of texture to this. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how they would handle this as a series. Because it works fine as just sort of like a fun TV movie. Yeah, you could remake this as a movie. Mm. Like, today. Like, I would actually, like, you just basically take this basic premise. Maybe Mm. goose it up a little bit. Like, make it not so much about a department store theft. Make it a little bigger. Who plays the demon today? Who would be really, really? It's like it's just a charming entertainer, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I, would actually, I would actually buy that. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I could see that. That'd be pretty fun. That'd be pretty fun. And Tom Hiddleston as Satan. This kind of, also kind of, on the nose. Kind of, it a, works. kind of a fun, he funny. Loki. Well, I guess Christopher Lee was super on the nose yeah, too. Who, well, who, who's, who's like a good sort of devilish, demonic oh, kind Anthony, of actor? Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Did he play the devil? I don't, I don't think th- he's played the devil. He, I, he, played, he played like demonic figure in the right, and uh, yeah, I don't think he ever played the devil though. No, he's played he's played a lot of heavies, a lot of bad guys and sure. murderers and what have you. I was like, it's, it's a good never actually it's a, played Satan. It's a good get. Yeah. Um, and then the mark would be Matt LeBlanc. I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> like you get like um, oh, what's her name? Um. Anna Ferris. Yes, that's literally what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> okay, Anna Ferris is one of our great comedians, mm. and she just is not getting the material she deserves. She's so great. She, in everything. she does occasionally. It's just not watched the way it ought to be. I know, watch. She's so see, funny. See Smiley Face, mm-hmm. the Greg Araki film, sure. where she played. She's a, a no good stoner, mm-hmm. and uh, she's she has an audition. She's an actress, and she's really nervous. So she just like smokes all of her weed gets really really high mm-hmm. this makes her really hungry and uh turns out there's a batch of cupcakes in the fridge she eats the entire batch of cupcakes and they're also weed cupcakes <sighs> yeah so she gets higher than she's ever ever been and goes on this long completely aimless journey throughout the city trying to get stuff done and not being able to to concentrate on anything and it's hilarious it's the, so funny the magical thing about uh mm-hmm. poor devil is that sam davis jr is one of the coolest people who ever lived Mm. And yet he's capable of playing a dork. That's well, the thing that's well, he's, great about him. He's, he's, a, he's a poor bastard. He's a poor bastard. Like, he's a poor <laughs> devil. Like, he gets it. Like, he understands that, like, he's got to be a total loser mm. who gets by on how likable he is. Yeah. Like, you could get, like, you couldn't play this cool. Mm. You couldn't get a cool actor. 
to so maybe play that maybe role. not Justin Timberlake. Well, no, I think Justin Timberlake can play a dork. Okay, I've seen him play. Like you look at Pop Star, he has like that little tiny role where he plays the chef. Oh, there you like, go. <laughs> he's really funny in that. Like I think he he could do that. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about like, but like who's super cool? Who's as cool as Sammy Davis Jr.? You get someone like Janelle Monae, and I'm just like, I don't know if I see her playing a dork. Like I think yeah, she's just she's too cool. She's too fucking. Oh, you know uh, uh, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish could totally do it. She could fucking do it. She yeah. would actually. She'd be great. <laughs> she'd be really fucking good, actually. <laughs> All right, so that's it. All right, yeah. Tiffany poor, Haddish, remake a poor devil with Tiffany Haddish. Done. We're done. Good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, cancel too soon. Mm. Uh, uh, damn shame. Uh, you can you can find it online. It's never been officially released, but if you do some mm. Google searching, it's it's not too hard to track down. Um, and certainly novelty value alone, I was willing to sit through it. But um, yeah, like it starts off a little dry, but once Sammy Davis Jr. and Jack Klugman are in the room together mm-hmm. it's gangbusters it's it's, it's paced a little slow but that's just the result of it being 70s tv yeah a little bit but honestly mm. it's like once they're just talking like it's just it's kind of like bedazzled just like the mm. original bedazzled like the okay. like the remake is okay but like the yeah. original with peter cook and dudley moore is so spry you know what i haven't seen the original it's I've, so o- I've only seen the remake it just it's honestly like all of like the bits where dudley moore sells a soul to the devil and mm. devil gives him like seven wishes to try to get the girl he's in love with and every time something terribly ironic goes on that's mm. the whole premise all of those little bit vignettes where he wishes he was a rock star but then he turns out to be a flash in the pan rock star and then mm. she falls in love with a different rock star all those things are kind of funny it's all about the interstitial bits where it's just dudley moore asking peter cook what heaven and hell are like that's the funniest stuff in the world that is just great comedy the entire way through it's really really good but yeah like that the series done let's read um, some letters yeah um cool all right so again you can email us uh canceled too soon mm. at gmail.com uh we we read your letters we take your suggestions we don't always read them because they're just added to a big document oh. that we got uh but do you remember watching these things do you have any opinions about them do you disagree with us did we get something wrong uh, do you have any questions suggestions anything at all just let us know right. here's one from kevin hello okay. kevin um as physical media advocates i was wondering what your thoughts are on unofficial or less euphemistically bootleg uh dvd releases of certain titles i have mixed feelings because they tend to be of low quality and the companies that provide them can have sketchy backgrounds but for some titles they're the only way to find certain titles obviously i don't want to endorse piracy but for instance the only way i could see chimes at midnight before mm. its criterion release was via a bootleg dvd the groundbreaking tv movie that certain summer which might be a good selection for the cancel too soon monthly movie hint hint it was the hmm. first sympathetic slash positive portrayal of a gay relationship on network tv interesting hmm. uh is also available from bootlegs even clips uploaded onto youtube are immediately taken down my opinion is that studios should follow the example set by the warner archive where more niche movies can be made on official DVDs on demand or following the footsteps of iTunes, which Steve Jobs conceived as a way to counter piracy through strict quality control. Uh, but since it is never guaranteed that certain movies will be available on official videos or streaming, I've come to see, come to see these outside resources as necessary evils. Um, if my- you, if you have one of those, uh, bootleg DVDs, mm-hmm. uh, my, my thought is this, you bought it, you mm-hmm. have it. The creators aren't getting your buck now. The, the bootlegger is mm-hmm. if sucks. if an official version is ever made available after you've bought it you're you are required to buy it, to buy it now yeah. you have to here's here's the thing mm. here's the thing and and this is a this is a this is a terrible thing but mm. unfortunately not every studio 
releases every single thing they have in their catalog. Mm. A lot of them just vanish. It's also, people don't care. I, you know what? It's also just not practical. It's not practical, that. but you know, it's we, we, we like We like to think that they can keep this endless archive, but they can't. They don't have the resources. It's getting more practical, though, and if as all of these studios start getting their own digital streaming services, I'm like, you don't even need to clean it up. Just make sure it's watchable. Mm. Old VHS quality is fine. On <laughs> you really some, some of these. You anyway. really don't need to clean everything up, but seriously, if you have it, digitize it, put it on streaming. Just all mm. of it. Huge glut of content. Be fascinating to wade through. I would mm. love that. And I and I do like uh, as as Kevin pointed out the whole uh, Warner Archive approach. Yeah. Where if it's a less popular title, you know they're not going to make a hundred thousand copies because nobody's going to buy it. But if you're willing to pay top dollar for maybe just a, a no frills DVD, there aren't even chapter stops. Sometimes there aren't uh, even a menu. Just, yeah, yeah. It ju- it'll just start like um. Then you can get it that way. Uh, we have Erg a Music War, one of the best concert films ever go. made uh, through the Warner Archive. I think uh, uh, Killdozer is on the Universal Archive or the Warner yeah. Brothers Archive. Uh, that's a really, really great mm. system. A lot of these uh, things that used to never be available and people thought they would never be available do end up on instant streaming services. Amazon Prime has actually a pretty impressive back mm. catalog of just kind of crappy or forgotten TV movies from the 70s and 80s. Mm. Um, so that's available. But I, I agree. Listen, if... The these movies and TV shows are not made available, and people are interested in them. Mm. The only way we're going to get other people interested in them is if we are able to see them and talk about them. Mm. Um, so, I, again, I don't endorse piracy. I certainly never would endorse getting a pirated copy of something you can obtain legally. Mm. I would never know piracy no, yeah, for anything yeah. that is currently on DVD, but in theaters, th- anything this is, at all. We're only really, talking about an option where there is no official release. Like, literally, like, it has never been released in mm-hmm. any medium. If you watch something on YouTube that has never been released on DVD, VHS mm-hmm. even, it's not on streaming anywhere, the, you cannot of course the, give them your money. Yeah, the, there's, there's that hazy middle ground where you, if you buy like... Uh, an official release from 30 years ago that's on VHS and it's $150 from a third-party seller anyway. Functionally, that might as well be a bootleg because uh, the yeah. creators aren't going to get the money. But right. regardless, again, I, I agree. If you've ever got a bootleg of something that is unavailable, like let's say, here's a common one a lot of people own mm. uh, or have watched. Uh, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four it was never officially released. It was never. It was allegedly never intended to be officially released. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, made on the cheap so that they could say they made the movie and then they could keep the rights to Fantastic Four and either make a better one later or sell it off for more money later. Um, but a lot of people have seen it. Mm. A lot of people have bootleg copies of it. You could go to comic book conventions and pick up a, a burned DVD very, very easily. If you have ever seen that or if you've ever purchased that or if you've ever streamed it from some torrent site and if they ever officially release that movie, mm. you have to buy it. You have to buy that. That's your moral that, obligation. That, that DVD, that Blu-ray, it doesn't matter if it's frills-free. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you like your bootleg you, version better. You liked it enough yeah. to acquire it. That means you like it enough to get the people who made mm. it money. Yeah. So it's it's. I wish it was cut and dry. I wish it was as simple as no piracy ever. Mm. But there are a few exceptions people do make. But if that's the case, you have to be willing to put your money mm. where your mouth is for the people who actually yeah, deserve yeah, that yeah. money. Like, uh, here's an, uh, an, a letter from Cecil. Yeah. Uh, hey, Bibbs and Whitney. I liked Scrappy-Doo. You're the one. <laughs> we, were, we were bad-mouthing Scrappy-Doo because uh, Scrappy-Doo is terrible. Scrappy-Doo sucks. Uh, Scrappy-Doo is, is horrible. It's sort of like a, a, a postule on the face of animation. Ouch. <laughs> and I stand by that statement. Okay. 
So somebody's writing in to defend. Tell me your opinions on Funky Phantom. (laughs) Or Hammer Man. (laughs) Uh, I like Scrappy-Doo. That being said, he is awful. Okay! (laughs) All right. And I think a spinoff cartoon called The New Adventures of Scooby and Scrappy-Doo can show us why. In the show, instead of doing anything interesting, they go into a haunted house, Scrappy finds and tries to fight a monster, then they run away to the next episode with no resolution at all. I vaguely remember that. I, I was sort of... That was, was the one where it was just them follow. and Daphne, wasn't it? Like they it was only just them and, and, and Scooby Dumb was in there as well. If you remember yeah. Scooby Dumb, the, the gray Scooby in the hat, yeah, and like was that's what we needed. Like his his idiot brother. I, I'm not exactly sure what the premise thing. was, but yeah, yeah. Um, I it was so hard to follow the various threads of Scooby Doo because like eight of them all came out at once, and there was never like one central mythology. Mm-hmm. Like there was Scooby Doo, where are you? That was the first one, mm-hmm. but then they had all these spinoffs that were running concurrently, and yeah. I was never sure what well, what I, I was supposed. I don't to be think following. there is. I don't think anyone cared enough to make a Scooby Doo canon. I, you know, <laughs> I'm saying, I, <laughs> not, not even Hanna Barbera. My opinions cared. on Scooby Doo changed over the years because I used to be this kind of old school Scooby Doo purist, uh-huh. <laughs> where the original concept of Scooby Doo mm-hmm. was aside from the talking dog there is no fantasy mm. and every time they saw a monster it was actually some real estate it's a scam guy or yeah it's, it's yeah. a scam um, and I yeah. actually kind of admired that from a sort of a secular <laughs> perspective about how, listen, we're... Special consultant to the Amazing Randy. <laughs> right, but, like, no, just the basic premise of Scooby-Doo oh. is um, all all problems in the world can be explained through rational thought. Mm. And, and, uh, and, work. and most of them are the result of rich white men. Like, yeah. that was the other sure. kind of undercurrent of Scooby-Doo. And then... For a while, I, the, the, I was trying to scare poor people away is really the premise of Kind of every episode was something like that. Mm-hmm. And then around the mid-80s, they started doing a few where monsters were real. Yeah, like, like there was, Scooby becomes a werewolf. Uh, Scrap, uh, Shaggy, yeah, Shaggy became, became a, werewolf a werewolf and then had to do a, uh, a car race with Dracula. And, the, and, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was a stupid fucking TV movie. But um, <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but I, it kind of bugged me because I was just like, you know, you kind of broke your own rules. Mm-hmm. Like Even as a kid, I was just like, monsters? No, no, mon- monsters aren't real in Scooby-Doo. You mm-hmm. kind of broke it. Like That was the whole premise is that there are no monsters. There's Batman, but there's no monsters. <laughs> <laughs> so you accept Batman, but I'm not Monsters. To accept Bat- Batman's just a guy in a costume. Monsters oh. are monsters. Well, if it was Superman, would you take issue with that? Yeah, I would take Super- issue Super- with that. Superman's like a fantasy I would take issue just with that. It just sort of floots off the ground. I would take issue with okay. that. I've, I've said my piece. I accept Let's talking see dogs you- and that's it. Let's see who you really are, Mr. Superman. And then for a while I was on my soapbox about how, like, oh, we're not teaching our kids secular values, blah de blah blah And then I realized two things. One, again, there was always a talking dog. <laughs> I was about so, to say. <laughs> so you really can only get on so high. A horse. Yeah. But the other thing was, and I realized this relatively recently when they um, did all of those kind of ambitious Hanna Barbera comic books where mm. they reimagined all oh, of like, God. Re- okay. some yeah, of them were good, like, some of them were bad. Like a post apocalyptic wacky races at it's some so, point. That one's so weird. I couldn't get into so that. Penelope read, Pit Stop is now like Tank Girl. It's I, just, oh God. That's kind of a funny idea. But like, there was, there's a really like, the Flintstones they have is like full of social satire. And it's actually kind of interesting. <laughs> um, because that's what I've always wanted out of the Flintstones. No, I'm just saying it was a it was a valid take. And what mm-hmm. they had was once again Scooby Doo. They were fighting actual monsters, and I realized at that point that Scooby Doo fighting actual monsters, like monsters are real in Scooby Doo universe, mm-hmm. is now officially been around way longer than secular Scooby Doo. <laughs> secular Scooby Doo was around for like maybe ten years. Mm-hmm. 
the last 35 or so have been Scooby-Doo and Monsters Are Real. So yeah. really, that's kind of just what is it? It's like the early issues of Batman where he had a gun. Mm-hmm. He doesn't use guns now, at least not except for a couple of movies. Like, but that's you, not you, the thing. You like, know there was a time when Batman first, the first time he said, I don't use guns, and some Batman purist is yeah. reading that saying, hey, no, yes, he does. Yeah. You jerk. He totally does. Put exactly. a gun in his hand. Yeah. Exactly. So I, you know what? Mm-hmm. I can't get worked up about it because there is no official canon like that. I, there really isn't. Yeah. There's no one curating Scooby-Doo to make sure it stays like true to itself. It's just yeah, people making Scooby-Doo cartoons and no one cares. You've also overlooked the one central, most important aspect of Scooby-Doo, and it's that the show sucks. It's <laughs> mostly it sucks. I, I, I don't want to get I don't want to get bogged down in the way Scooby-Doo was advancing anything socially because Scooby-Doo should not have had that much influence because Scooby-Doo was terrible. Scooby-Doo. It wasn't telling messages or teaching us lessons. It was it was trying to distract kids while I they think, sold them crap. I think there was some value Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I also think a pup named Scooby-Doo was actually a pretty good show. For kids, uh, it was a pretty clever the, show. The, the kitty version. Yeah, of, that yeah. was actually a pretty clever the Muppet, show for Muppet the time. Baby's version of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, I, would, I probably doesn't hold up terribly well yeah. as an adult, but as a kid, that was actually reasonably clever. Yeah. Had some good jokes. Right. I didn't, didn't ever finish this letter. But oh, he I says, apologize. He just says none of the gang was with him. Uh, the episode was never resolved or interesting. Uh, so not only did Scrappy ruin the show for many people, but he ruined his own show. <laughs> Well, Scrappy sucks. Yes, Agreed. I agree. Scrappy sucks. Scrappy sucks. Um, here's one called Law and Order 90s Bands Edition. Nice. This one comes from uh, Kevin. Uh, hi, B&W. Hello. I guess that's us. Uh, RE, the Law and Order Los Angeles episode, and your remarks about characters who never stop what they're doing while police detectives interview them. Yes. That, that was, that's a very common conceit on Law and Order. They Pretty much every their, episode. Don't stop their business while homicide detectives are standing right next to them. Um, on a related note, I always shake my head when these characters treat the detective asking them questions as a nuisance, coming across as impatient, and sometimes treating them with outright disdain. I understand that conflict is the root of all drama, but this often threatens my suspension of disbelief. If a detective if a detective investigating a sexual assault or a homicide comes to my home or my place of work, I'm going to give them my full and undivided attention. Yes! I'm going to answer their questions to the best of my abilities. Hell, I may even offer them cookies and tea. <laughs> what I'm not going to do is go out of my way to give them give them time to decide that I'm a person of interest or worse, a suspect. I'm not being Ward Cleaver here. I've been annoyed and even hassled by policemen once or twice in my time. So this isn't coming out of a respect all authority figures no matter what period stance. But even uh, even if I know Johnny Law ain't got nothing on me, I'm going to err on the side of caution as much as possible where a felony investigation is concerned. Yes! Anyway, on to the important part of this missive. Uh, got pl- it. Uh, please consider booking these 90s band for Cancel Too Soon Warped Tour featuring Freaky Links. Oh, I'm so glad we started this. Oh, okay. so let's here, move on. Uh, d- let's do, you, do it. You, you no, let's do it. Right. Of course. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Counterf- let's move on. Counterfeit Membrane. <laughs> the Kung Fu Panderers. <laughs> Who are you to judge me? Nice. Moon Blood Goods, Good Blood Moon. A little bit of a mouthful. Bit of a, bit Unless she's in it. Well, yeah, uh, then yeah. it's fine. Ona Grower is for closers. <laughs> Concussed jackalope. I like that one. <laughs> uh, sad Rambo. Time is a flat circle. Yeah. Pig Force! Exclamation point. <laughs> That's a good band name. I like that one. <laughs> and Steel Justice. <laughs> turns there out all, turns out almost all Cancel Too Soon episodes make great, great band names. Thanks for doing <laughs> these things. Um... Yeah, no, I I I watch these shows. Mm. I've never like been privy to a homicide investigation. Like I've sadly I have known people who have been murdered, but I was never like questioned or Mm. I never saw my parents questioned or anything like that. I don't think they were, but like, um, 
But it occurs to me that whenever I see shows, people get like persnickety. Yeah. Like, like, oh, can I, can I get back to work now? Um, like, somebody's dead, jerk. Yeah, don't <laughs> piss off the. Like, I, like, again, we, we all know many of the various mm. issues that uh, the United States law enforcement is got to, has wrapped got to, up in has, yeah. and has got to work on. Yeah. I'm going to put it, put it <laughs> mildly right now. Mm. But, like, regardless of whether or not you, you, are completely reverent, reverent to the police, or whether you think they're worthy of criticism in many endeavors, uh, when they're in your home, you should at the very least be concerned, mm. because well, also, they, you know they could arrest you if you if you like obstruct justice or mm. or whatever. I'm just like I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, answer your questions politely and to the best of my knowledge, right. and uh, 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 wet myself to, because to, I'm scared. I guess it, it's. In the New York Law and Orders, I guess it kind of makes sense. I, I said this on the Law and yeah. Order show. Like, different attitudes, yeah. Different attitudes. Uh, it's a really busy city. People are just not going to stop what they're doing. And perhaps it's also a thing where the cops approach everybody on sort of the defensive, and they're really kind of cantankerous from the start. Mm-hmm. So so everybody's just mad at each other all the time. It doesn't make sense in Law and Order LA, when everyone would be kind of laid back about it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go- cooperate. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, here is a letter from Thomas. Hello, Thomas. Uh, gentlemen, your discussion of the Cousin Oliver effect brought back some fond memories. I remember the season of Married with Children with Seven and the yep. way he disappeared off the face of the earth, never to be mentioned again, save for an episode where his face appeared on the back of a milk curtain. We had a couple of people like tweet me or, or email us to say that the fate of Seven, while never officially resolved, was at least tackled when later on that he was a throwaway joke mm. that he was a missing child. I'm not sure that... It, that's the kind of really dark joke that kind of only Married with Children ever got away with. Well, there's also Unhappily Ever After, the Married with Children knockoff with, like, yeah, the, the, the puppet. As, it was like a manifestation of the lead character's psychopathic it actually, disorder. It's actually a pretty funny show. It's, it was a pretty funny show. Yeah, like, yeah. No. Cause, cause, like, because it was, like, super cynical. Watch any episode of Married with Children at random today. Mm. You could never do it. Yeah. I'm amazed you could do it back then. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a really, it's really coarse. It's a really coarse, yeah. raunchy, cynical, mm. mean... <laughs> Gross. Show. Says that uh, my favorite example of the cousin Oliver effect hit the Mark Valley human target ah. uh, after an excellent but low rated first season. The second season saw a new showrunner who introduced two female characters, Ilsa Pucci, yes, named after the uh, Simpsons episode, P U C C I. Pucci, get it? Pucci, yeah, I get it. Uh, who served as Chance's boss, and Shudder Ames, who seemed to be there only to deball the first season's breakout character, Guerrero, as played by Janet Montgomery, who is in the canceled Just at the Right Time series made in Jersey. Uh, Ames was insufferable. Both characters weighed down the series with forced soap operatics and comic relief. I loved season one. I winced my way through season two. Uh, another note, I'm glad you're doing the Persuaders this week. Sorry, it's Sorry. next week. Uh, as, a, as the last gap of six, gasp of 60s spy culture, it was the perennial on WWOR here in New York, an indie station that also ran my favorite TV show of all time, The Avengers. Uh, anyway, until you find the complete run of The Watcher, I'll be listening. <laughs> well, keep listening after mm. we find that complete run because we want to review it. Mm. Uh, yeah, again, we will review The Persuaders next week. Mm. Our bad. It's just, we, I got like 18 episodes in, but now it's Friday and like, uh, damn it. Uh, can't put it off t- any t- longer. T- too much to go still. We gotta do so, something. Yeah. 
So I, we hope you're we're pleased with what we did. Uh, yeah. Another letter? Yeah, let's do All right. more. Uh, here's Short a letter. Episode. Here's a letter from Omar. Okay. Hello, Omar. Omar's written in before. Hey, uh, dear Bibbs and Whitney. Hello. I've been listening to your show for about a year, and now I wanted to offer some feedback. I hope it is helpful to you. These are some of the things you do best. Your analysis. Hmm. Uh, I admit, I'll probably never watch any of the shows you talk about. Fair enough. Because I don't want to get invested or and ha- then have it be over. However, I love listening to you guys break down the mechanics of a show and the performances on a show. A lot of times you'll praise a character that I love, which is nice. Uh, you haven't gotten to Patton Oswalt yet, but I'm sure you will. Um, He's got to be in something. Uh, my wife refers to the Patton Oswalt singularity. If something ah. either reaches a point of enough popularity or is poised to like have a, a certain amount of fame, Patton Oswalt will just be in it. <laughs> yeah. Just like you know, you've reached that that singularity of fame if Patton Oswalt agrees to be in your your uh, your series. Uh, he works a lot. I'm sure he'll pop up on a CTS series. I also enjoy getting uh, the history of the series. The backstory of a series, so to speak, is always interesting to me. Uh, number two, you're consistent. You drop an episode every week, come hell or high water. I appreciate knowing that you can look. I can look forward to you guys every week. And this one's late, but we want to get something to we, you guys. We really try. It's really uh, important. Letters, a lot of the time, the letters portion of the episode is my favorite part. Listeners like George White and Cecil <laughs> will always <laughs> chime in with an interesting question and a bit of cool trivia. Segments like Time Gimmick or Am I Cancelled Too Soon or last to listen to uh number four no commercials i don't mind commercials but it's nice that you don't have them uh speaking um, of which we're on patreon <laughs> we are on patreon <laughs> patreon.com slash cancel too soon if you want to contribute to the show help us keep going help us prioritize the program over the other things that actually mm-hmm. uh pay well, more at the moment hey if patreon pays enough we'll quit everything else mm. and give you like a cancel too soon twice a week screw it like yeah. i'd love that that would make me if, really happy if we can do this for a living it, we will oh my god yes <laughs> like between this and critically acclaimed like i'm really happy that's like the thing that keeps me going wow. um so that would be really really great and uh, we are going to have more content coming at your coming your way uh mm-hmm. from patreon uh, uh we have some more videos to drop uh over the mm-hmm. weekend and and then the following week and mm-hmm. uh we're working on a few ideas for maybe a couple other like bonus podcast type things yeah um and uh, let's just say it, we're gonna do our own pilot season <laughs> we're gonna come up with a bunch of different ideas and we're gonna come up with pilots for for uh, mm-hmm. uh podcasts and uh we're gonna let our patreon subscribers tell us which ones they want us to do more of yeah yeah well we will should we do a pilot for each one oh, there's no pilot for each one we got like yeah. four ideas we'll, yeah, that's like, true we'll, we'll, three we'll, or four we'll do a pilot season we'll do a pilot for different themed podcasts featuring you and i we're still we're still and, in the pitching phase we got like two or three mm. we're definitely going to do and we're deciding what another one yeah, yeah. and but, then uh, um yeah and then but only as, our as patreon- kind of kind of a bonus podcast for our patreon subscribers yeah so in addition to the cancel too soon monthly movie you'd get this other thing once or twice a month as mm. well um and uh, yeah so we're gonna have those we'll do those probably in the month of march mm. um and only our patreon subscribers will get to listen to them and then only our patreon subscribers will get to vote on which one they want uh, to mm. continue because uh you're hey you're paying for it yeah <laughs> you you should get to choose and again, that's we, fine we do them all if we had the time yeah and, and if we make enough money on patreon we will have the time so, <laughs> bonus um so that's going on um yeah and, and then uh, we got no. uh no, other stuff as well. No, thank you for writing in Omar. Yeah, thank Wait, you. I didn't um, say thank you to him, but oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're really, really great. And, you know, if we ever had a sponsor, okay, I, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's something that's come up as a possibility, but it's never if, actually happened. If, if we get a sponsor, I would hope that there'd be the kind of sponsor that would let us read the ad copy. Yeah. Because that, that way it's us. Well, on Critically Acclaimed, uh, we actually ran an ad f- that was running on all of the Schmoes No Network shows, but it was only on the iTunes feed. Yeah. So if you listen to it on SK+, we actually took the spot that was supposed to have the commercial, and we actually did a little sketch <laughs> in that little spot. Um, but yeah, if you listen to it on iTunes, it opened with actually, actually a rather long commercial. Mm. Um, but then just show continued to pace. If you hear a commercial, skip it. 
Yeah, just skip it. I don't think we're going to be doing it anytime soon. If but people are if you're, go the problem ahead and skip is if, if people want. are streaming, they can't. If you mm. download it, you can. If you mm. download it, you can do whatever you like. You can skip ahead and back and forth. Uh, so, if you hate ads, you know, try try looking into downloading if you can. Um, if you're streaming, yeah, you're just sort of stuck listening to those. Yeah, and, and actually, you know what? If we ever have commercials, maybe don't skip it because then we don't get them. Then they're we, not going to see any like. We would only be sponsored by the finest of products oh, that certainly. we personally endorse: band aids. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs them. Everyone likes band. Who's against band aids? In fact, band aid brand is so ubiquitous that they they have come to mean all adhesive bandages, even if they are not band aid brand. Yep, it's one of those great great products. I've actually been. Try- I'm, I'm guarantee trying- you, after having said that, is going to be some huge scandal of band aids. Band- <laughs> turns out that they're made of dogs or yeah, some horrible thing. I don't know. Children's <laughs> souls go into them. Whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've been trying to train myself not to use those brand names that have just come to like FedExing, mm-hmm. like using using a, a private delivery company is called FedExing, even if you're not using Federal Express. Sure, or um, calling it a Coke, whether or not it's a co- a Coke. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's really big in the South. A co- all soda is called a Coke. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another one is Kleenex. Mm-hmm. All tissues are called Kleenex. So I'm trying to say tissue. Uh, Q-tips. Q-tips are yeah. our brand name, it's and cotton and, swabs are the actual and, thing. And band aids. Those, those are all brand names, and I'm trying yeah. to. When you say adhesive bandage, it sounds so strange now. Yeah, people are so used to saying band aid in replace of all all instances of it as uh, you adhesive bandage. You know what? Mm-hmm. Nah, I don't give a shit. I'm trying trying to. I really see, don't try not to be branded. That's uh, all. You know what? That's, that's the old, um, old the old teen '90s rebel in I, me that I, trying I, to trying to undo something. I reserve the right to say that I was horrifically wrong about it, but mm. honestly, at the moment. Least of my concerns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it a coke. It's it, what was uh, um, there was some. I wish I could remember who it was. There was some comedian who had a whole bit who said that Pepsi should change their name to Pepsi's fine. They <laughs> <laughs> have coke. Pepsi? Is, Pepsi's fine. Is Pepsi okay? What was, that, what was there? Was something I was watching where uh, someone actually said like, "I'll have a Pepsi. Uh, all we have is Pep." <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. There's, there's a gag like that on uh, on Futurama. They went to the horse races, but in the future, like all of everything you could buy at the horse racing track was also made of horses. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> it's like, a, can I have? Can I? All our horses are horse fed for that double horsed in flavor. It's like I'll also have a horse Coke. Is horse Pepsi okay? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. All right, uh, so that's it for this episode of Canceled Too Soon. Uh, you can email us canceltoosoon at gmail.com. Remember, we spell canceled with one L, the correct way, we think. The, the correct uh, the correct American way. When we when we started the show, we had, uh-huh. for some reason I had a lot of people ask about this like lately, so I thought I'd reiterate it. All right. When we this came up with the show, we realized there are two like dictionary spellings of canceled, one with one L and one with two L's. And based on all the research I do, the one L was more popular. And then mm-hmm. after the show started, we started seeing two L's become more popular. I don't know. We, we, we changed it. Well, it's like we, we altered reality by our actions. I don't know. Was this, did you experience this when you were a kid and everyone had backpacks? You had backpacks to school. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, there was the, the, the one shoulder. The one shoulder. <laughs> the one shoulder. But, That's then really you go, cool. but then you go to a new school and everyone's got them over two shoulders and you're the freak. Yeah. You're like, yeah. what's what's with this one shoulder bullshit? Mm. My God, you're going to hurt that shoulder. Put it over both. Well, I, I, I thought it was cool all the way up until high school. Until yeah. I was talking to a girl that I had a big crush on at uh-huh. the time. And, and she said, I have a crush on this guy. And I was like, ooh, is this a... a, a are you trying to sidle into something, girl, I have a crush on? Uh-huh. And she says, and he's kind of a dork. Really? I'm kind of a dork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he still wears his backpack over one shoulder. He still thinks that's cool. And I was like, I still do... Wait a minute, that's not cool? <laughs> <laughs> 
I remember, and, and, and that that became my existential crisis for I, the day. I changed schools just often enough when mm. I was a kid to have run into this problem many times, mm. and by like the third or fourth time it happened, I was like, you know what? It's just going to change eventually anyway. I'm going to wear it the way I want. So I wore it over one shoulder like a badass. And uh, uh, then I was like, yeah, as the guy went, I don't know why he does it with that one shoulder. It's super weird. And then, like, after the summer, everyone's wearing it over one shoulder. And everyone's just like, Bibbs was right. <laughs> you're, Bibbs you're, was ahead of the game on that one. No, I, actually, actually, I actually got compliments for being ahead of the curve don't, don't, on yeah, trends. Don't follow like, trends. Set trends. Yeah. Like, I didn't really do any. Okay, it's fine. Um, purple flat tops are all the rage because I have one. Anyway, uh, we're on canceled. Uh, we're, we're on Twitter at Cancelcast. Mm. I'm on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. That's W I T and Seibold with an E I because it's all wonky. Because he likes to be confusing. Strange. Uh, again, we're on patreoncom slash soon. You can email us canceltoosoon at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to check out uh, Whitney has a celebrity wit movie trivia schmodown match. I sure do. It just went uh, as we record this. It went up yesterday. Yeah, uh, he got to do uh, movie trivia with the cast of Ash vs. Evil Dead, including Bruce Campbell. So that was kind of cool. Uh, Bruce Campbell asked the questions and... Uh, Occasionally gave away the answers. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like He, he, he just, just read the answers read like they were part right of the question. right off the sheet. <laughs> like, uh, he... Oh, I don't. I want to say what it is because I want yeah, you to watch the video. Well, but watch the, the video. It's a fun video. Um, I I was paired with Dana DiLorenzo, who is on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an embarrassing moment. I can say this because you can't. I'm not sure if you can hear it on the mic. But we we spun the category wheel, and uh, we landed on '80s horror. That's yeah. not too much of a spoiler. And uh, I said, I leaned over and whispered to her, "Let's go for it." I mean, '80s horror is pretty popular. And uh, and I said, I said, "Come on, you were alive in the '80s," and she just sort of gave me this nasty look. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> It's like, oh wait, yeah, we're not all forty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, actually, like, she's like twenty-two years old, yeah, which means she was born in nineteen ninety-five. God, I'm old. <laughs> that was not an insult to you, madam. No. That was an insult to Whitney's intelligence for forgetting that not everyone is exactly his age. Yeah, yeah. Which it's I'm super I, weird. I'm gonna do that when I'm eighty. I was thinking about that. I was watching like a showdown, and like a really seventies mm. was on the wheel. And you know, I was born in eighty-two, but the seventies like right behind me. So I still think it's of them still as around. a recent past. Yeah, yeah. But like for anyone who is like. 20 now 70s are pretty far away mm. like i'm not saying you should not know about 70s movies you should but i'm like it's not like something you probably chanced upon as randomly mm. like yeah. 70s movies yeah. like 70s movies are still on yeah. tv a lot in the 80s mm. you know like i watched a ton of them <laughs> so yeah I've, Weird. I've, I've got 40 extra years of experience no, then that's, that's why then I, so I, well then I did, did four years ago. That's why so, I do it so well in the movie trivia. Mm-hmm. So well done. Uh, so anyway, check that out. That's on YouTube. Um, and check us out on Critically Acclaimed every week on the Schmoes No podcast, uh, iTunes feed and also the SK Plus YouTube channel, yada, yada, yada. Uh, let's, call it a, let's call it a night. Thank you for listening, everybody. That's a wrap. We will see you next season. 